And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. Ah, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Uh, Lots and lots to get to, as always, today. Uh, I was joined by Lexi Bess from Campus Reform and uh, Lone Conservative, Um, and it was a good chat. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, She was great. But uh, before I get to my chat with Lexi, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at 1776 United. 1776 United is my favorite conservative apparel company. They are literally the best out there, the best in the business. Um, they have any any kind of apparel you want, any kind of shirts, tanks, hoodies. Uh, they have other stuff too, not just clothing. They have all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's all very patriotic. All their designs are super creative. It is really great stuff. All their all their stuff is high quality too. It all fits really well. Um, you know, for both men and women, it's all great stuff. I love all my 1776. United Gear. My my wife has some too. She loves it. Um, it is really great. You guys are going to love this company. Check them out at 1776united.com. Um, and uh, this Friday, they have their Black Friday sale. Uh, they have exclusive stuff coming out on Black Friday. Really, really great deals. Um, check them out at 1776united.com and use the promo code gimmicks. That is the promo code gimmicks for 15% off of your order. I also want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and you want to quit or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. Uh, it is really great stuff. I'm chiefing on some right now. They have any kind of bot, mod, battery, tank, atomizer, coil, anything you need for your vape setup, they have. They're all super knowledgeable. They can point you in the right direction. They have physical locations in Holland and Perrysburg, Ohio, if you're in uh, Northwest Ohio. If not, check them out at Premier Vapor and Lounge. Dot com. They will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. If you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, uh, we're also on Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the Podcast and contribute monthly over there. There's cool incentives if you choose to do so. All right, without further ado, here is my chat with Lexi Bess. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Lexi Bess from Lone Conservative and Campus Reform. Reform, rather, sorry. Uh, Lexi, thanks for taking the time. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for having me. Absolutely. So, as always, a ton to get to today. Um, let's jump right into it. Finally, after almost two weeks, the midterm elections are over. <laughs> um, Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis yeah. officially have won in Florida. Kemp has won the Georgia gubernatorial election as well. Um, you know, despite their best efforts, the Democrats weren't able to overturn the results of this election. Um, but I think we're heading down a very dangerous road with this precedent that's been set. Um, are, are Democrats moving forward going to, you know, anytime they lose, claim that, you know, the election is illegitimate and, and try to lawyer up and, and overturn the results? Like, is that really where we're heading right now? I feel like it is. It's like this common thread of wanting to sit in a corner and pout when you lose. Right. I mean, you know, we saw the we saw the excuses flying. Literally excuses that I had not couldn't even think possible after the what happened in 2016. 
um, when Hillary Clinton lost. And everyone was saying, oh, it was this, oh, it was this, oh, it was this, this is why I lost. And then, you know, Hillary Clinton decided to write a book about, you know, what happened. <laughs> and so there's this entire trend from from that party of this can't be true. My polls told me otherwise. My people told me otherwise. This can't be right. So we're just going to, you know, pout and we're going to try, we're going to force a recount. We're going to do all these things because I refuse to accept what the people want. I refuse to accept the fact that there are actual people who support Republicans in the world and that what what is said on the, on the news or in the media is not necessarily completely true. Um, for some reason, there's this disconnect between voters actually voting and what the media says voters are going to actually do. There's just this whole disconnect. So, yes, I think that that, that is the future of what we're seeing um, from the Democratic Party, You know, unfortunately. Obviously, the excuse, the, the main excuse in 2016 were the Russians. You know, the, the Russians yeah. the Russians stole the election. Literally. The, the interesting thing this time around is that the, the Democrats never really gave any legitimate not that the whole Russian conspiracy thing was legitimate, but the Democrats didn't even give any concrete reasons why these uh, election results weren't legitimate. They were just like, nah, we didn't like that. So uh, let, let's have a do over. You know, <laughs> like there wasn't even there was no exactly. substantiated claims of voter fraud from Republicans or anything like that. It was just this blanket. No, we don't like this. So we don't accept it. I mean, it's like it's such yeah. a flimsy argument. I know. And one of the most interesting things from from this experience was realizing, unfortunately, realizing the power that people who are in charge of local elections, the power that they have right. is absolutely terrifying, 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 you know, we, terrifying. So we saw what happened in Broward County and we saw Brenda Snipes and we saw um, I actually kept up with uh, through Andrew Pollack the father of Meadow Pollock in Florida. She she was a victim of um, the Parkland shooting. And the dad is one of the few who is not taking a gun control argument. He's taking more of a um, let's lock down our schools and let's actually enforce our schools. Um, But anyway, and he really brought this woman to light. And he was saying, you know, the Florida election apparently is coming down to Broward County. Is anyone really looking at the person who's in charge of how the elections are supposed to be ran in Broward County, the election supervisor. And um, so people really started digging and it was crazy to see that someone such as this woman is in charge of counting, like she's in charge of making sure that elections run smoothly. And it just, that much power should not, not be in the hands of just one person. And that was the scariest thing for me to realize from this election cycle that I guess I had never really realized before um, how elections really can come down to one or two counties and the people that are in charge in those one or two counties, the elections, uh, the election commission, that's, that's concerning. Right. And just side note on Broward County. I mean, wow, the voters in Broward County have been electing some real doozies <laughs> between Brenda Snipes, like you said, and Sheriff uh, Sheriff Israel. I, f- I forget his first name. Oh my gosh, why that, is that man still in office? Jack- it's like, oh my gosh, how do these and both of these individuals have repeatedly been reelected, time and time again? It's it's it is just astounding. I do not know what has gotten into the water um, in Broward County, but the the voters down it's there, crazy. I, I can't imagine electing somebody like that. 
No, absolutely not. And what was interesting was that Andrew, or Mr. Pollock, uh, Medu Pollock's dad, he also brought to light um, the shooter um, in Broward County uh, from the Parkland shooting. He was registered to vote while he was in prison right. in Broward County. I, I don't even know how that is real or, or how. Sheriff <laughs> Israel. Sheriff Israel. Israel allowed someone to go into the prison and let this man be registered to vote. Like this, this kid's voter registration is, I mean, voter registration is, is public record and it's real easy to look it up. And it, it, it was just crazy to see. I just couldn't, I was like, why in the world would you elect someone like that? I, like I it just, I don't know. But anyway, it was very concerning to see how how much power is placed in the hands of of these local officials when it's just one person with all the power and these local elections have the most influence on citizens oh of course arguably oh of course yeah 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 it's it is yeah the horrible things happening in broward county um obviously the they got the results of this election right um, actually, Rick Scott actually picked up votes in Broward County after they did the recount. That's another so thing. That was a That's hilarious thing. I'll hail never mary there. But. Oh my. I'll, I'll never forget when um, they started, some states started recounting votes after the 2016 election. And I can't remember what state it was. I don't know, maybe you remember, but there was a state where they wanted to recount votes and it came to light that there were votes for President Trump that were being um found i believe that was wisconsin i think it was wisconsin okay and so they were like stop 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 yeah. <laughs> stop stop counting <laughs> like, yeah. this is not good <laughs> so then they stopped counting but it, it was just that's what i'm saying it's, it's like there's not not that i want more government oversight that's definitely not what i want but there's just no one to truly hold these commissioners accountable whenever it comes to election cycles Right. And voters need to be aware of that because at the end of the day, it's 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 going to have to be the citizens and the voters who are making sure to hold their commissioners accountable and to pursue um, this investigative journalism or to apply pressure on their local governments. Um, but I, I just, you know, citizens want to believe the best in their local officials, but in today's world, you Sometimes you just can't. No, if you live in Broward County uh, and you're listening to this podcast, definitely shouldn't. Don't believe shit that comes out of these people's <laughs> mouths. They have not earned your respect. Um, so let's move on no, to no, 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 no. let's move on to some good news. Well, I I mean cynically speaking, good news. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it good for the country, but um, you know, for years the Republican Congressional Caucus has been extremely fractious. Uh, you know, and haven't been on the same page hardly ever. For instance, like the Freedom Caucus and the Tuesday Morning Group in the House of Representatives constantly at odds and stuff like that. The Democrats, I guess to their credit or or, or not, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> depends on how you're looking at it, have always voted basically in lockstep with party leadership. But it looks like that may be changing. Um, our favorite 25-year-old socialist, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, touted as the future of the party, the future of the Democratic Party, isn't even a congressman yet, and she's already driving the party crazy. You know, the, her first day in Washington, D.C., she participated in a sit-in in Nancy Pelosi's office protesting climate change or, or something, whatever the protest is that day. Um, 
and and then she's working with the socialist group uh, Justice Democrats to primary uh, incumbent Democrats who aren't socialist enough. So uh, you know, I I hope they all beat the hell out of each other. So it's very entertaining for me to watch. But uh, do you think that the Democrats are going to run into the same kind of issues that Republicans have been facing for years with their caucus? So I think that what we're seeing right now through those instances, it is the embodiment of that, which, you know, I would fall under this generation. Um, Whenever, okay, whenever I think of what one of my peers in college, like the most pro-socialist peer that I have, unfortunately, and I think of what they would be like as an elected representative <laughs> it is her it is she's a cartoon literally yeah. her no it she is the embodiment of every millennial pro-socialist not thinking clearly person like she is she's the embodiment not wanting to work well with others <laughs> not wanting to understand how this chain of command really works not wanting to respect someone who's been there for for, you know, just a smidge bit longer than you have. Um, I mean, it's this whole, I deserve respect because I'm, I am me. It doesn't matter how long I've been here. I'm the same as you. So you should look at me as the same. You should treat me as the same. And I shouldn't have to earn my way to be the same as you. And that's not how, that's not how the house works. Like it's, that's not how life works, honestly. But especially the house. When we're talking about elective, especially uh, because senators can afford to be more ideological. You know, they have six year terms. They have higher name Mm -hmm. recognition. They have higher profiles. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously the original point of the Senate uh, was to represent the interests of their state. You know, so they were, they were supposed to be ideologues, go to Washington and advocate for, uh, policies that would ha- benefit their state and only their state. But yeah, the House, there's 435 of them, and it's all about building coalitions and and, and working together and making compromises. So weird. So it, it's uh, it's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it needs its own reality show. I feel like like that's some reality TV that I would actually that would probably be more dramatic than Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But <laughs> it's it's very. I'm not surprised. I am not surprised by her behavior at all because it's that entitlement better than thou mentality that I think we're going to see more and more from young Democrats who run for office. I think that that for some reason, that's the mentality. And I think that unfortunately, even more concerning are the young voters who applaud her behavior. And who agree with her because (laughs) those are the people who are going to elect more people like her to be in the house. So, um, but I do think that she is going to, I think it's going to lead to some, it's going to lead to a lack of working together and a lack of cohesion when you have this one person just like stirring the pot when, you know, when your party was flying so smoothly and then you have this young kid stepping in, protesting in Nancy Pelosi's office, doing these things that are abnormal. It's stirring the pot and it's making it it's making it harder, I guess, to work together and to work with this person that young voters love while also trying to remind them of how this whole thing works. Right. They're going to struggle. Right. And, you know, it's it really warms my heart, too, because. 
you know, looking at the how the House Republican Caucus has behaved, and like I'm I'm a I was a Tea Party guy. Like I, you know, if I were in Congress, I would probably be a, a Freedom Caucus guy. Like I'm a big fan of guys like Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and, and these guys. But even though I agree with them on most things, still I'm like guys. Like sometimes you do have to compromise a little bit like if you want to get anything passed yes. or anything done so i'm really i'm yes. really hoping and looking forward to democrats having that same problem that you know drove paul ryan absolutely insane for the last you know six years oh my god i love him <laughs> but yes but yeah it's definitely and i feel like some of that tension or like some of that inability to compromise comes from a concern of what constituents constituents will think when they compromise. Will constituents look at them and say, I voted for you because you said this, but you're compromising on this and that's weak. And I don't know if I really want that as my representative. And so we're going to see that the same with this brand new socialist in office saying, I ran on this platform of socialism. I'm not going to back down. It's my way or the highway. Like, I throw temper tantrums whenever I don't get my way and I sit in your office, even though you're a colleague and protest with these people. Like it's, I think we're finally going to see some, some lack of cohesion. Right. And I guess I I wonder, I wonder which kind of faction that the base of the democratic party is going to get behind. Um, Because, you know, there, there was a, a, kind of mini blue wave in the House of Representatives in this election. I mean, there's no getting around it. It looks like mm-hmm. the Republicans are going to lose, uh, I believe, I counted up this morning, I believe 38 seats. Um, a couple a couple Republicans, it was just called in the last couple of days, hung on to seats. Uh, Will Hurd and Mia Love um, are both keeping their seats. So I think that took it from 40 down to 38. But still, that is, that is a blue wave. That's not great. Um, but... If the Democrats end up backing the the Democratic Socialist wing of the party, the Ocasio-Cortez wing of the party, they would completely be learning the wrong lesson from this election. I mean, the Republicans are not learning the right lesson from this election either, but that's another topic for another day. Um, But if you look at all of these Democrats that flipped red seats blue, they were all moderates. Well, I mean, moderate grading on a curve, moderate compared to, you know, other (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez. But they were all, quote unquote, moderate Democrats. All the radicals lost, with the exception of uh, Kirsten Cinema in Arizona. All the other radicals, Stacey Abrams, the witch from Georgia, and you know Andrew Gillum oh. from Florida, they all lost. Like all the radicals lost. It was the moderates that kind of facilitated this blue wave. So it would be interesting if the Democrats just don't realize that at all and just <laughs> move further to the left. I mean, that would that would greatly benefit Republicans. Don't get me wrong. I'd but, be fine with yeah, it. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine with it. it. But what do you think? Do you think the, the base, the voter base, are they going to go full socialist in 2020? Or do you think they'll realize, hey, like, if we run John Hickenlooper, he'll probably smoke Trump, which is true. Like, and I had a conversation with some friends the other day, like, what candidates really scare me for Trump's re-election campaign? And I'd say Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, He'd be a scary candidate. Tim Ryan, the, the moderate congressman from Ohio, he'd be a very formidable formidable candidate. I think Trump would wipe the floor with a socialist or wipe the floor with, you know, Cory Spartacus Booker or, or somebody like that. I, I don't think going radical is going to help the Democrats at all, but I just don't know if they're going to learn that lesson from this election or not. Well, uh, we saw that last election, right. last presidential election. I mean, I, when... When Bernie Sanders did not get the nomination, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
President Trump, well, then just Donald Trump, would have just wiped the floor with him. Oh, yeah. It would have been like, look at this crazy whackhead and what he's doing. And the Democratic Party knew that. Right. So um, I think that's why Hillary Clinton got the nomination. Um, but what concerns me is, so I'm in Tennessee, and we had the we had the Marsha Blackburn right. Senate race, and Phil Bredesen real, real, was running as a moderate. Real quick, since you're from Tennessee, I have to ask, I never took the Phil Bredesen campaign seriously. I never thought for one second that Blackburn was in trouble. I, how, how was the feeling on the ground in Tennessee? A little bit concerning. Um, the reason, okay, so it was a little bit concerning up until the point that President Trump came to Tennessee. Right. Like, multiple times. He just hit every big city in Tennessee. And when the president takes the time to hit every big city in Tennessee, that's when you know it's a concern, right. first of all. That's, that's fair. Um, and But see, I knew that. I knew that I was concerned. And the, the campaign, I did not work on the campaign. I helped as a volunteer, but I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like from the conversations that I was hearing, and I went to the watch party for the last debate and just looking at the environment, it was a li- it was concerning. And, and I heard what some of the girl or some of the people, I should say, who went and knocked on doors in Knoxville, at least where I am, they were saying that they were having a lot of concerning conversations with voters who were saying, well, Bill Bredesen wasn't so bad as a governor. I mean, he balanced a budget and he did this and he did that. And it was so. Oh, crucial. I th- I would argue that the most crucial part of the Marsha Blackburn campaign, it was the door knockers, right. because in those conversations, those door knockers would look at voters and say, did, did you know that it's in the Tennessee Constitution to have a balanced budget? Right. And it's in the Tennessee Constitution to do everything that Governor Bredesen did. Right. He had to do that. He is a, a Democrat who is pro-choice and pro all these other things and does not align with um, with the values that you've expressed earlier in this conversation or whatever. And so it was a fight to show the truth behind Phil Bredesen. And because he was running as a moderate, that was the most concerning part. If Phil Bredesen had ran on his actual principles of being pro-choice and um, not actually supporting Brett Kavanaugh as a Supreme Court justice, which he said that he would support. That was a Hail Mary, you know, with a a week left, you know, come on, man. Like, really, we're not going to see right through that. Well, did you? You know, he was asked, he was asked on a Thursday, he was asked on a Thursday, or I want to say it was that Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, but he was asked on one day, would you vote yes to not to confirm Brett Kavanaugh? And he looked at that reporter, or the person who asked the question and said, give me 12 hours. Because in 12 hours, Brett, the the vote went through. And then he came out and said, I would vote yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, Smooth, dude. Real smooth. He should have said, so, ask me on November 7th. Like, come on. Honestly, that at least would have been honestly, more honest. But see, he was appealing to his moderate. He was appealing to the moderates. I mean, people on his campaign, there were videos, there were le- there were these undercover videos uh, that are going around um, from that, oh, the investigative journalist campaign, his name just totally escaped me. But um, he had someone go undercover to the Phil Bredesen campaign and had people work on the Phil Bredesen campaign say, they said, oh, we're just trying to appeal to the moderates. We're trying to appeal to the moderates. He wouldn't vote yes on Brett Kavanaugh. He 
he's not pro-gun. He, he's, he's not pro-life. We're just trying to appeal to these moderates and blah, blah, blah. And so it, it was a fight against moderate mentality. Right. And so I think that the future is more moderate. Right. From what even even Republicans, because the young, my generation, this, my generation does not care as much about traditional family values. Right. That's that's a good example. They don't care about who someone wants to marry. They don't care. What they care about is that big government is not becoming larger and they're able to keep more money in their pockets and they're able to focus on these other things that align with the conservative movement. Right. And but they're they're slowly becoming more moderate in different ways. So it's definitely I would hope that the Democratic Party to get back to your question, I would I would love it if the Dems could focus on becoming socialists and running with that. <laughs> but the smart decision would be to stick with moderates right. because the radical, the crazies get voted out. It's like bye. You're crazy, you're psycho, you voted no to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, bye. Like, no, we don't have time for that. So it's from what I see as a young voter, I guess, on a college campus, is that the future is moderate. Right. And, you know, the Republicans can learn that lesson, too. And I agree with you. I, I don't like that. But because <laughs> I'm very conservative. I'm a conservative libertarian. I mean, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm extremely conservative. I, I'm a radical. You know, I am certainly a radical uh, conservative. But, um, you know, looking at the the speaker, the uh, minority leader race between uh, McCarthy and, and Jim Jordan, McCarthy won big. Like we we always forget people like us in conservative media within the conservative movement that you know I don't know ten fifteen maybe twenty percent of the country is actually conservative the way that we would define conservative. Like the vast majority of even Republican voters are a lot closer to Kevin McCarthy than they are Jim Jordan. And I don't like that. Maybe we can slowly over time change hearts and minds and and kind of change that. But that's kind of just the the fact of the matter right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm happy yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm super stoked about it, but it's definitely what what I see happening. The fact that a moderate Democrat in the state of Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, the fact that voters could look at look at a moderate Democrat and say, "Well, he doesn't seem so bad." Right. He doesn't seem so bad. I mean, so the bad. fact that it, it's and, only because Bredesen ran as a moderate that he came within, what was it, eight, eight or nine Exactly. Points. If he ran on his own principles, like you said, he would have lost by 25. Because the the, the, govern, the race for governor wasn't even close. You know? I mean, look at look at a guy like <laughs> Joe Manchin in West I, Virginia, who, who won by five points in a state where Trump won by 40. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's mind-boggling. You know, so, I don't know, hopefully the Democrats are just too drunk on socialism to uh, figure it out. One more topic before I let you go. Um, I mentioned kind of who would scare me as, uh, you know, a, a Democratic presidential candidate in 2020. Uh, there are a few Democratic candidates who had already declared that they're running. One of them does not scare me at all. And that is Eric Swalwell, uh, the leftist hack congressman from California, said over the weekend that the government should confiscate guns. And when somebody uh, pointed out that somebody on Twitter pointed out that that would lead to war, Swalwell said it would be a short war because the government has nukes. It's like, wow, man, um, threatening to uh, nuke Americans to own the cons. That's a, just a hell of a tactic there, buddy. I just 
There, there were no are there, words. Are there words? <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, what? <laughs> Just very like, come again. Um, you know, and this would be a conversation for a different time, but just for just the mentality of we're going to go get your guns, like we're going to get them or we're going to hurt you. Like this mentality is very concerning. I've seen, a, uh, I saw a news story this week about um, a man who was, who legally owned a firearm. A state was, I don't know if it was, was it Maryland? I can't remember specifically which state, but they were enforcing these new red flag laws. Right. And they were trying to take this man's gun away, and he ended up shooting someone who was trying to fulfill these these red flag laws because these red flag laws, in my opinion, aren't constitutional. Right. They're absolutely not. They're, they're not constitutional, period, end of story. Um, but, I mean, we can talk about that later. But, you know, you, you see these stories of what's happening when we're going to come get your guns. Yeah, it's not going. It's not going so well. So this comment of, oh, we'll just nuke them. What? I'm sorry? Like, is this the same party that was freaking out two seconds ago about, like, Trump talking about, President Trump talking about his button on his, like, the button that he compressed to nuke North Right. My my takeaway from Swalwell's comments is that, I mean, to me, it seems like he's advocating for the private ownership of nuclear weapons. Because (laughs) I, I, uh... Could you imagine? I, 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 you know, at least philosophically speaking, I would almost agree with that i believe that we should have whatever weapons the federal government has but uh you know like i'm not worried that the government's going to round up guns and you know confiscate guns do mandatory gun buybacks or anything like that like i don't buy into that if they ever tried it i mean let's say the democrats you know held both houses of congress and the presidency and the supreme court and they tried to confiscate guns you'd hear in unison hundreds of millions of Americans saying yeah doubt it cocksuckers that's just not going to happen but does it concern you because it did concern me that a ranking member of the House of Representatives, a, a respected Democrat in that caucus, is so comfortable talking about gun confiscation and threatening war against people that refuse. Like, it is concerning that Eric Swalwell would be so brazen about his ridiculous BS. It's it's concerning, but unfortunately it's not surprising. Right. That's the sad right. part, yeah, right. is that right. <laughs> it, it is very concerning. <laughs> But it's also not surprising because there's just been this narrative for so long, for so long about gun confiscation and all this stuff. Let's just ignore what happened at Thousand Oaks, which was a tragedy. But let's just ignore the fact that that area has some of the most strict gun laws in the country. Let's just ignore that. But we just continue to see this this gun control conversation continue to the point where it's like well the government has nukes so it really wouldn't take that long for us to be able to to deal with the fact that you don't want to give us your guns okay the whole reason that the second amendment was written was because the government had too much power like literally like like the reason i'm able to have a firearm yes it's for self-protection like that's nice but also whenever the government overreaches and i don't know threatens to nuke me because i decide not to give the government my firearms that would be literally the reason why the second amendment right. was written like historically and Beck pointed out just the the flaws he pointed out on twitter the flaw in eric swalwell's thinking anyway because you know a bunch of people that live in caves literally live in caves have kept the u.s military 
pretty busy for the last 18 years. So the whole like, you know, people with guns can't defeat True. the government. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, Afghanistan would say, hold my beer. Um, but so I'm out of time. I'm going to have to let you go yeah. in just a second. Before I let you go, uh, Lexi, where can everybody find you online and read your stuff and get in touch with you and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So my website is LexiBest.com, L-E-X-I-E-B-E-S-S. And on Facebook, where I post uh, conservative videos and Second Amendment videos, which is at official Lexi Bess. And I'm on Twitter, at Lexi Bess. All right. Everybody follow Lexi. She's great. I'll definitely have her back on very soon. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.